the, there's an old story about a man who, well, he, he, had, he had a farm, and he was always looking for people to work on his farm, but it's always hard to find people who will work. Everybody knows that, but, but in particular, it was really hard with his farm because his farm was, was out on the coast, and it was prone to a lot of a lot of windstorms and, you know, hurricanes and different tropical storms that would come through. And, you know, it could do a lot of damage if somebody didn't take their job really seriously. And so they ran, he ran a lot of people through and would interview people. And, you know, half of them, he just said, you know, I, you're just not going to work. But, but there, was a, there was a gentleman who came in, kind of a middle-aged guy, and he was interviewing him for the job. And he was, you know, he basically said, do you think you can handle this job that it put before you? And the guy just kind of looked at him, and he said, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I mean, I, I can sleep when the wind blows. And I thought, it's kind of weird, you know, but, but if it'll work, you'll put up with a little weirdness. I mean, sometimes people just kind of quirky like that. So, and he didn't have a whole lot of other good options anyway, so, so he hired the guy. And the guy did a, he did a good job, you know. He, he showed up every day. He did the things he was supposed to do. He was pretty pleased with him, but... He'd been working there several months when, when this big storm blew up on the coast. And, and I mean, it, you guys know that feeling when the storm's coming and there's stuff that you've got to get done before the storm actually gets here. And, and so he goes in and he, you know, he wakes, tries to wake this guy up and he says, you, you got to get up because we got work to do, right? I mean, we got, we got to tie some things down. We got, we got to batten down the hatches. Otherwise, we're going to have a lot of destruction. And the guy just kind of rolled over and he said, I told you. I told you I can sleep when the wind blows and he was like you got to be kidding me right I mean I don't I don't want your quirky stuff now I want you to get out of bed and get the job done I mean I can't believe I hired this guy and he he goes off in a in a huff you know now I got to go do all this by myself this no good for nothing guy that I hired and and he goes outside and but you know what he saw all the work was already done Everything was already put up in the places it was supposed to be. Everything, everything was already tied down. It was secured for the night. See, when that guy rolled over and he said, I can sleep when the wind blows. He, he wasn't being careless. He, he, was, he was saying, no, we're ready for this. And so the guy who owned the farm went in and he went to bed too. Because he could sleep when the wind blows. Well, I always like that story, and it kind of rings in, in my ears as, as we think about our life when the wind blows. D- does the wind ever blow in your life? Yeah, right? And, and, and even, I mean, sometimes we talk about literal wind that is blowing, but, but far more damaging and scary is just the wind of life that can come in, and it can do an incredible amount of damage. And if you're anything like me, it runs the risk of totally just destroying so much of your life. Jesus says, I can sleep when the wind blows. If you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, you, you, you'll, you'll find a pretty familiar account uh, Jesus has he's just been teaching people and he's been teaching people about the importance of having faith and walking by faith the the power of of even having the faith of of, of a mustard seed and, and you're familiar with those parables and he's been preaching and teaching all day long and I, I can just tell you uh, Sunday night is generally a night of really good sleep for me 
okay? Because Sunday is most definitely a busy work day. And my wife would say I sleep good every night, probably so. But especially on Sunday night, I'm just tired. And Jesus has been out there, and he's been teaching and preaching, and, and they get on the sea, and, and the text says, this is Mark chapter 4 and about verse 35, that when evening had come, they said to one another, well, let us cross over to the other side. So they left the multitude, and they, they took him along on the boat as he was, and other little boats also were with him. But, but a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, I don't know how many, how many boaters we have out there, but in my limited time in boats, I'm just going to tell you, I don't want to be on the water when it's storming. That's pretty scary stuff. And if I'm out on the boat and it's storming and water is actually coming into the boat, right? We're okay as long as the water is outside the boat, but when it's inside the boat, we got problems. That's what's going on. And you can picture what's going through their minds. I mean, are we going to make it off of this boat? Are we going to make it off of this sea? They're thinking, I think it's fair to say, they're thinking we may die here. You ever have those moments in your life where you think, I I think this just may be more than we can handle. I mean, this this may just be more than we can take. That's, That's kind of what's going through their mind. And you remember where Jesus was? He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Interesting, if you've ever ever been in a a tizzy, is that a technical word? Everybody know what a tizzy is? You you, you ever been in a tizzy and you were all upset and you were all, we got to do this, we got to do that. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm getting hyperactive, my ADHD is kicking in. and And then you look over and somebody's like, they're taking a nap. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> right? What in the world is going on? That's what Jesus was doing. That's what Jesus was doing. And so if you just kind of picture the way that they would have seen him in that moment. I mean, I know, I know who you are. I make this confession of who you are. But, but why, why do you seem to not be doing anything? Why do I find you in the stern asleep on a pillow? And so they woke him up and they asked him that very thing. And they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And we preached on this text multiple times, and I don't, I don't necessarily want to deconstruct this text beyond to say that I just feel like if there's anything that I've prayed over and over in my life, that's probably the prayer that has come from my lips. Um, God, do, do you not care about what's going on in my life? God, do you, maybe you don't know about what's going on in my life. Don't you care? Because I know that you're there. I know that you have power, but I'm dying down here. I mean, I could really use some help. We, we have those moments, don't we? You ever feel that way over the last few months? Lord, I could really use some help. We could really use some help. There is no doubt that I do not like it. There is no doubt that it's doing a great deal of damage. Where are you at, God? Are you taking a nap? I mean, this is the type of stuff. You remember remember when um, Elisha 
was on Mount Carmel. It's Elisha, right? It's Elisha, Bible scholars. Not, not, it's Elisha, not Elijah, right? I hope I'm right. It's Elisha. No, you could, y'all, y'all don't know either because you're not shaking your heads. So Elisha is there on Mount Carmel, and they're having this show off with, between the, the one true living God and the prophets of Baal, and, and Elisha starts to mock the, 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 the pagan prophets, and you, you remember what he says? He's like, well, maybe, maybe your God's asleep, <laughs> right? Maybe he's taking a nap. And it's like, ha, 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 your God's not even real. I'm just telling you that in this moment, God was really in the front of the boat, asleep, literally. What do you do in in those moments? Well, you know what Jesus did in verse 39. It's this, this amazing thing where the Bible says he arose and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, peace, be still. Now, you've read that your whole life, but I just want you to understand how how crazy that is. Have you ever rebuked the wind? you ever rebuked the storm? I don't know what it did at your house, but it was like it was raining buckets here for a little while, right? John uh, John and Jack were coming to a meeting, and they said, well, we're going to wait because I can't even see what's going on. Why didn't, Jack, why didn't you just go outside and say, hey, storm, you quit it? Why, why didn't you do that? I mean, you know, John would have taken you someplace besides the church building after that. It's like, because that's crazy stuff. I mean, right? But that's literally what he did. He rebuked nature itself. You, you want to you talk about the power of Jesus. By the way, the power that he restrained so often. But the power to rebuke the wind. Listen, whenever we pray for it to rain, and it rains, or we pray for it not to rain, and it doesn't rain, isn't, isn't that what James says in James chapter 5? Do, do we believe that our prayers have any, any impact on the weather? That's why, I'm just going to tell you, that's why you won't find a lot of, a lot of atheist farmers. You just, you just won't find it. Now, you may find a few. But most farmers believe in God because they know exactly how much they depend upon Him. Jesus goes out and He rebukes the weather. I told you to stop it. It's like you're rebuking your kid. It's His creation. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. It's like your kid's running wild out there, causing all sorts of problems, and, and everybody's like, oh man, this is bad. Somebody needs to do something about this. And then somebody, peace, be still. And then it's like you can't hear anything after that. Right? We've all experienced those, those moments. That's what went on on the sea. See, they're looking at Jesus and they're saying, don't you care that we're out here about to die? And Jesus says, of course, what, what kind of a question is that? And he goes and he handles the situation. But then, but then he turns to them and he said, in the calm, right? In that moment where you, it's like you can hear a pin drop. And then he says, and now I'm going to say something to you. This is the guy who just rebuked the wind. And now I'm going to say something to you. I think this is such a powerful scene. Why are you so fearful? How is it 
that you have no faith. I've just been talking to you about the, the, the power of faith the size of a mustard seed. And I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you guys who have followed me around. And it looks like you don't have any faith. Paul would say in his Corinthian letter, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Looks to me like you examined this situation and you sized it up completely by sight. You saw the boat, you saw the wind, you saw the waves. You saw what you were able to do and you concluded we're going to die and there's nothing we can do about it while you take a nap. There was no one that said, well, you know, the creator of all the worlds up in the front of the boat. I bet he could do something about this. I mean, the one who created the sea, right? Maybe, maybe we should go to him. Maybe we should ask for his intervention. Maybe we should just trust that he's got this. They, they didn't do it. You, you remember, I'm always fascinated by the feeding of, by the, feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus turns to Philip and he says, if I could paraphrase, how are we going to feed these people? And the text tells us he didn't ask that because he didn't know what he was about to do. Jesus knew what he was about to do with those fishes and those loaves. So why in the world is he asking Philip? Opportunity. Here's your opportunity to walk by faith. It's almost as Jesus was saying, I'm going to throw you a softball. Anybody ever throw you a softball? You've got to appreciate that when you're teaching a Bible class sometimes, right? Some people throw curveballs in Bible class, right? I'm not, I'm not looking at anybody in particular, but I'm looking all over this room, okay? But some people, they throw softballs. You're like, oh, I can hit this. It's like Jesus threw a softball to Philip. What are we going to do about feeding all these people? And it's his grand opportunity to say, well, you are the son of God. You, you can create the very first Arby's right here. Right? You can create Chick-fil-A right here, right now. To, could you just do that? Could he? I mean, do, do, do we believe that? I'm just going to tell you that, that God created, he created stuff a lot more impressive than Chick-fil-A. Is that true? So here's your opportunity to say, here you can do it. By the way, I've actually seen you do it before. I've seen you turn water into wine. I've seen you feed thousands of people before. Now, I don't understand how you do it, but I know you can do it. So I think, that, I think, I think that the answer to our problem is you. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, now, now that's a challenge upon our lives every day. But, but it's an especially large challenge when the wind blows in our life. And it has and it will blow. Won't it? Hasn't it? Jesus knew that he had power over the situation. That's how he could sleep. He knew. That's why Jesus wasn't up this, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to die. This is so bad. This is so terrible. He wasn't doing that because he knew. You remember, you remember when you were a child and things would scare you so badly, but your father wasn't scared? You guys remember those moments? 
all the dads in the room, you, ever, you, you look at your children sometimes and they are terrified of this or that. And you're like, what, what, what are you so scared about? I think that's the same way that God looks at us at times. He, he knew the wind was blowing. He knew the sea was raging. He knew what, he knows what those things could do. But he also knew that he had power over the situation. I, I don't think that that's limited to what's going on in that boat. I think that extends to what's going on in our boats. See, however you define that, Jesus knows he has power over the situation. That doesn't mean that he always delivers his people in the way that we think he ought to deliver. It doesn't mean that. But I know he has power. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that God has ever heard of this, what do they call this thing? This uh, coronavirus do you, do you think God's ever heard of that? Oh, I know he has. Do you think that God is more powerful than the coronavirus? Now, I try to think about these things. That doesn't mean we'll get coronavirus tomorrow and die. I mean, I really don't know. Right? You could fill in the blank with whatever disease you want to put in there. But, but the way that I respond to it is, is listen, I'm going to respond knowing that God has power. God has power. That, that doesn't mean I try to be foolish or that I try to get sick. I, I, I think sometimes, you know, we, we struggle with this, you know, we talk about faith over fear, which I completely believe that. That, that doesn't mean I don't wear seatbelts in the car. I mean, we, we need to be smart about those things. We've had that conversation. All I'm saying is, Jesus knew he had power over the situation. And he was looking at his disciples saying, how come you're acting like I don't have power over this situation? This is where Paul would talk about, we take our burdens and our anxieties and we cast them upon the Lord so that we might have that peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't mean give him all your problems and he'll fix them for you. And everything will be good. <laughs> Most of you, I'm looking at you, you've lived enough life to know it don't work. It's not how God works. It's not even what God promises us. But to know that he has power. And if God does the things that I think he ought to do, then, then blessed be the name of the Lord. And if God for some reason doesn't do the things that I think he ought to do, then blessed be the name of the Lord. That, that, that's what Job said, right? God giveth, God taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. None of this God gives and Satan takes away, but I'm going to praise God's name anyways. That's, that's, that's weak faith stuff. We're talking, about, we're talking about saying, no, God is in control. When I know that, I can have peace no matter what happens. Jesus knew he had power over the situation. By the way, I think Jesus knew that the things of this life are not to be feared. Once again, easier said than done. Because there are a lot of things in this life that kind of, you know, they kind of get the juices flowing. They, they, they get a great deal of concern. I'm not talking, I don't think Jesus is, or the Bible itself is promoting being irresponsible in, in any way. But, but you remember, Jesus would say, don't, don't fear those who can destroy your body. You, you, you need to destroy 
what can destroy your soul in hell. That's the real concern. Once again, he's not talking about being masochistic or trying to destroy your... He's not, but he's saying, listen, we have bigger concerns than the struggles of this life. Remember in our Bible class this morning there in First Peter, we were talking about that. And, and he's, he's just trying to make this point. You, you get so concerned with the things of this world. Listen, put your, put your thoughts upon Christ. Put your thoughts upon God. I, I really, I don't want, I, well, I don't want a lot of things in my life. Like, I, I don't want to wreck my car tonight. I don't want to get food poisoning. I don't want, I don't want to get a bad haircut. I, I mean, I, don't, I just kind of, the list could go on and on, right, of all these things. I really don't want these things to happen. But what if they do? It's going to be okay. Because there's, listen, there's a whole lot worse than anything that can happen in this life. And that's where I need to be concerned about. You guys are worried you're going to die in the boat. Listen, this is what Paul says, for me to die is gain. He wasn't going out there trying to get himself killed. He was just saying, yeah, you can beat me and that's horrible. I could, I could be crucified and that's horrible. But that's not the end of the story. You're not going to take my hope. Jesus knew the things of this life are not to be feared. But then the, the, the title slide and why I picked about the wind that's blowing times we need to catch the wind now what do i mean by that not not just to look at that you know well that big bad mean wind and the terrible things that it's done in my life and i i I hate it and i don't want anything to do with it okay we can say all those things but but do we allow those things to impact our life i mean i i thought about joseph there in genesis 50 and verse 20 who had had about as much wind as in his life as any, any of us. I mean, his own brothers, right, sold him as a slave. He got thrown in prison because some woman lied about him. I mean, it's kind of like, let's think about the story of Joseph. If, if somebody came in, let's just say they came into the office and said, I want to tell you my story, you think, ooh, this person's crazy, right? I mean, yeah, I'm sure all, I'm sure that all these people did all these terrible things, you know, against you, right? Pardon the cynic in me, but, but they were true. But he comes to the end of his life, and he looks at his brothers, and he says, you meant evil against me. I know. That's the only word for what you did to me. Evil. But God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day, to save many people alive. So when the wind blows in our life, not only do I want us to be reminded that God is in control, that God has power, that there are worse things than the struggles of this life, but I want us to be a people who step back and say, okay, what's God going to do with this evil? How is God going to work this to His glory you know what? I don't want to miss that. M- most of you who have lived long enough, you have experienced some pretty rotten things in your life. Right? I mean, we could, 
right? We could start with Jeremy and work around the auditorium. We've all got those things. What's God going to do with it? I, I, I want to see. I'm just telling you, I, I mean, uh, there have been things in my life when I've seen this. That's that no good, nothing, I got nothing good to say about it. And then God takes it and he uses it in ways that I was, but like, if you told me that story to begin with, I would have said, that's crazy. That's never going to happen. But that's what he does. I want to see that and I want to embrace that. See, that same wind, that same wind that they thought was going to kill them, if you catch it, if you catch it in your sail, is the, is the power that propelled those, th- those ships across the sea, that, that, that propelled ships across oceans. There's power there. I love, I love flying out to the West Coast because when you, when you go out there, there are all these huge windmills, right? And it's just this wind that comes down off the mountains and the plains, and they, and they catch it and, it, and it, and it powers cities. Is that same wind destructive? Oh, yeah, you let some straight, what are they, the, some of those uh, straight-line winds come up, and that's pretty bad stuff. But when you harness it, it becomes the power plant for the entire world. I want to see what God does in my life and in your life. When we really do catch the wind, wind's going to blow. I know that it is. But in those moments, those moments may, may I be reminded of those disciples on that boat who were looking at Jesus and saying, don't you care that we're perishing? And they forgot. He knows. He knows what you're struggling through today. He knows what's going on in your, in, in your job and in your family. He knows what's going on in our community, in our nation, and in our world. All those things that we don't have very good answers for. He already knows. And he has the power to do something about it. That's the thing. Those things that we're so helpless in regards to, not God. Those things that we just wring our hands, what am I going to do? I'm up on it. God's not losing sleep. He's not, he's not saying, man, you know, what am I going to do with this mess? If he was, he wouldn't be God. He's going to use your mess for his glory. And to me, to me, that's the thing that gives me peace. That's the thing that enables me to put my head on the pillow at night and say, maybe the most godly thing I can do is just go to sleep and leave this in God's hands. I think that's what the disciples were struggling with. I think it's what we struggle with. We walk by faith. I want to encourage you to give some thought to those, to those men on that boat and to give some thought to our lives. There's one who has power. And you will decide and I will decide whether or not we will follow him. Will you, will you follow him to be born again? Will you follow him to repent of sin in your life? Will you follow him in casting your burdens upon him when was the last time you just took your burdens and you gave them to the lord i hope it's not been too long 
He's ready to walk with you. If you have a need tonight, you come to him as we stand and as we sing.